Last couple of weeks, we've been singing a chorus, and I would like us to sing it today as we prepare for God's Word. The chorus is, God is moving by His Spirit. He's moving throughout the earth. Signs and wonders when God moveth. O Lord, move upon us today. I pray that the Word today will penetrate our hearts. I pray that we would be renewed in our spirit. Wherever you may be today, if you're sitting in your living room, here in this room, let's sing out and let this be our prayer, that God is moving by His Spirit. Let's sing it together. Let's stand to our feet. Father, that would be our prayer today, that you would move by your spirit, that the anointing upon your word today would penetrate our hearts, that we hunger and thirst after the things that you have for us. It is our desire to be like you, Lord. We thank you for the great report of missions last week and know that your spirit is moving within each one of us. We praise you for that, God, that you are always here for us. Thank you, Lord, for moving by your spirit. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. May God bless each one of you. Today, we continue our theme of the parables of Jesus. As we look at the parable today, I want to remind you the text that we will look at is only found in the book of Mark. The parables of Jesus are parables and stories that apply to our lives today. The reality of it all is relevant and that God will move by his spirit upon our lives. We have spoken and we have studied the parable of the soil. The parable of the soil stresses the various soils and the importance of the condition of the soil for proper growth in our lives. Well, today we're going to focus on a mysterious power, the mysterious power of the seed in the success of the harvest. The concentration is going to be upon the seed and the power of the seed is so well emphasized as Jesus shares the parable that we will look at today. Seeds are an important part of many of your lives. Yesterday, I noticed a sign in someone's yard and it was a sign from a vendor that's here in our area, and it emphasized the importance of overseeding right now. 
This is a time of the year where seeds are planted and your lawn can hopefully uh, become lush and green. It can become full because of overseeding. Well, today our text is one that is going to emphasize the fact that God is moving by his spirit and God is quietly at work in our lives and he is at work in this world, that he is establishing his kingdom. Oftentimes we feel discouraged and oftentimes we feel like God is not at work, that things are not happening in our world, in our land, the way we think they should be. But I assure you, as we look at this text today, and as I said, it's only found in the book of Mark. We will turn to it, if you have your Bibles, to the fourth chapter of the book of Mark and look at verses 26 through 29. The parable of the growing seed. Once again, Jesus is speaking, and the word of God says, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scattering seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and the final kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it, because the harvest has come. You know, most often we may not know what God is doing, but be assured that God is doing something. The word that we have read this morning is assurance that God is working in our lives and the conditions around us that he is moving by his spirit. I lived in St. Louis for almost 20 years. And while serving in a pastoral role in St. Louis, and the headlines would often concern runaway barges on the Mississippi River. That was a fear that <clears throat> any navigator had. It was a fear that was brought about with the, those that traveled the Mississippi River. A runaway barge is very dangerous. Fear would fill those that were operated tugboats, those that were in charge of bridges, etc., because a runaway barge can do so much damage. Can you imagine a thousand feet of barges out in front of you? And there, a thousand feet of uh, barges that are as long as several football fields, 105 feet wide. And they would steer those barges into a lock that was 110 feet wide, two and a half feet on each side for tolerance. And it would be a block away that you would be steering the barges because they were out in front of you. When the flood waters would come, the river's current would go from three miles per hour to six miles per hour. And it was often that a barge would break loose. A barge would hit a bridge. A tugboat would try to get in front of that barge and steer it. But it took a lot of horsepower to turn a barge around. It was on August 12th of 1805. It was near the Idaho-Montana border that a man by the name of Hugh McNeil, who was a member of the Lewis and Clark team, he stood with one foot 
on each side of a little stream. The little stream was called Trail Creek, and it was the source of the Missouri River. The source of the Missouri River, just a stream that you could straddle. I can recall an experience that I had at the Dan River. The Dan River in Israel was a little creek also, a little creek where I also stood one foot on each side of it. And the Dan Creek, that little, that little water stream fed into the Jordan River. And these streams that I speak about today do not resemble the powerful current of the Mississippi River or the Jordan River. They're a small stream that pours into a bigger source or making a bigger source. I tell you this story because as we look at our text today, hopefully you can identify, you can see with our text today, it likens the power of a tiny seed to develop into the kingdom of God. The parable that follows this particular parable is that of the mustard seed. We have looked at it, one of the smallest seeds that can turn into a tree, a tree that the birds could find shelter in. And understand that God's kingdom is the reign or the rule of God in our hearts and in the world. God is moving by his spirit. When you and I pray the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying for the rule of God and the reign of God to live within us and to live within this world. In this parable, Jesus teaches us so much. Even though it's a short parable of maybe three scriptures, as we look at it, there's a message here for us. The first thing that I see is that God works in our lives and in the world and it's a process. It's a process. It takes a great deal of patience when you're involved in a process. I used to attend a seminar when I was a youth pastor called, it, it was titled Bill Gothard's Youth Conflict Seminars. One of the seminars I attended, there was a pin that we all wore, and it just had some letters on it. P-B-P-G-I-N-D-W-M-Y. We would wear that pen during the break and go to a restaurant and someone would look at it and think, this is puzzling. What in the world do all those letters mean? Please be patient. God is not done with me yet. That's what it means. There's a continuous work in every one of our lives. There's a continuous work, a process that takes place in God's kingdom, not only in our lives, but in this world. Mark 4, 26. The text that we read today, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seeds on the ground. A process. A process is a series of systematic actions that leads to a desired result or end. For example, I don't know if you've ever bled brakes on an automobile or the automobile that you drive. But there are times where air will get into the line and the only way to get that air out of that line is through a process. Usually it works better when there's a couple of people. One person gets inside and pumps the brakes and you go and open up a bleeder hoping to get the air out of the line. A process takes place. And the process, in, in some cases, a process is a series of change that happens naturally, not by some mechanical effort. And any farmer who wishes to grow a crop understands 
There's a process that takes place in growing crops. A farmer does not plant a seed and then go hook his John Deere up two minutes later and hoping when he gets up in the morning, he's going to be out there harvesting the crop. So the kingdom of God is it's like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground, Jesus says. And we understand that the kingdom begins in our lives as a seed, but it ends in a harvest, a harvest. In between is a process that takes place often dealing with a memorial service or a graveside service, I'll use the example of the dash that is on the gravestone next to us that's already been printed up. There are dates, and there's a dash between those dates, a day of birth and a day of death, a day of a seed being planted, a day of a harvest. What takes place in that dash? Hopefully in our lives that the kingdom of God is being resurrected in our hearts the kingdom of God has taken place in this world. When I was in New Hampshire these last couple days and driving, I noticed that the buckets were not out for the sap or the syrup, the maple syrup that is so pure. It's become quite a process now because buckets are not being used, but as you drive by, you can see blue tubes that are coming from tree to tree in the woods. And these tubes are gravity fed from the sap that comes from the tree in the spring. And if you happen to be walking the cereal aisle of the grocery store, you'll come to the pancake syrup section. And you will see there will be tiny bottles of pure maple syrup on the top shelves that cost over $19 or $20. But as you look down the shelves, you will see that there's the Hungry Jack syrup. That's for $3. There's a reason pure maple syrup's on the top shelf. It's due to a process. Workers go deep in the woods where they use, used to use hand drills to make a small hole in the trunk of maple trees. And they put a metal tube into that tree called a spike. And they would tap that, that tree in each, each spike had a bucket that hung from it the sap begins to drop into the bucket. It is thin, it's clean, it's like water, and with only a hint of sweetness. And on a good day, 50 maple trees will yield 30 to 40 gallons of sap. The buckets are then dumped into large kettles over an open fire, and the sap comes to a slow boil. And as it boils, the water Content is reduced and the sugars are concentrated. And hours later, it's developed, developed a rich flavor, a golden brown in color. It is then strained several times to remove the impurities and graded for quality. The end product, the end of that process, and I've watched it so many times as a kid and watched the, the, the people go out and work to get the maple syrup. The end product is one gallon of pure maple syrup from 50 trees that produce 30 to 40 gallons of sap. That's why it costs so much. There's a process that takes place and the secret to delicious pure maple syrup is in the process. And when we become followers of Jesus Christ, we are like that raw, un defined sap 
But then God begins and God moves by his spirit within us in the process of transforming us from sap to syrup, so to speak. And I'm not calling anyone a sap in this room. I hope that we are all syrup. It's important that we understand that when the seed of Christ-likeness has been planted in our life, God is at work. God is moving by his spirit. And Paul wrote, he wrote to those who follow Jesus Christ in Philippians, the second chapter, verses 12 and 13. Do everything without grumbling, he said. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you and will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. In other words, work hard. Show the results of your salvation. In the process, obeying God with deep reverence and obeying God with fear, having compassion for other individuals. In the process, having love for each other. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. What pleases him? Establishing the kingdom of God in our hearts. Church is a process. And processes require patience. You can't interfere with a process. You can't fast forward a process. You must be patient with God's work in your life or in the situation. God is never in a hurry, but he is always on time. And it is true that most processes involve the passing of time, the passing of time, a period of time. God's work in our lives and in this world involves the passing of time. Where do I find that? When you look at the text in the book of Mark here, and you look at this fourth chapter, verses 27 and 28, the word of God says, night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed spout, sprouts and it grows. The earth produces the crop on its own, on its own, day and night. Grass grows at night. I know because I have to cut it several times in a month. It seems like I can go to bed and get up in the morning and it's taking place. The process is happening. We understand the concept of the passing of time or the elapsed time. When time elapses, it simply passes by. Every so often, I'll hit a button on my watch or even on my smartphone, and all of a sudden, I got elapsed time going. The passing of time has taken place. At this very moment, this very hour, I have been invited uh, to be at the NHRA or the National Hot Rod Association Thunder Valley Nationals, which is taking place right now in Bristol, Tennessee. What a temptation, but... I love being here with you folks. And to be there and on that drag strip and to see, uh, this is a, a copy of one of the cars that I have, a 67 Camaro. But when you are there at that drag strip, there's nothing like it. You see, maybe you've never gone to a drag. And I've always been a little fascinated by drag racing. I've been involved in drag racing on some airstrips as a kid that were abandoned and also some back roads like many of you that are here. And when you go out to those places, it's a crude, uh, it's a crude uh, situation 
uh, when you compare it to a sanctioned drag race. You see, a sanctioned drag race has what they call a Christmas tree. You can see it in the background of this particular 67 Camaro. It looks like a stoplight. There are a series of lights, and the driver pulls up to the lane, and the driver usually does a burnout. Well, why do they do that? Because they heat their tires up for a better grip, better traction, and then the driver will start to align himself or herself with a blue light will come on, which indicates that the front of the tires or the front tires are within seven inches of the starting line. And from there, an amber light will take place and it will come on. And when that light changes to green, you better have some good response because that's when you let the clutch out or that's when you hammer it because you take off and see the younger you are, supposedly, the better and the greater the reflex you have. John Force has proven that to be different. He's an old guy. I've met him, and he has the reflexes. But you take off, and if someone jumps the gun, so to speak, a red light comes on, and you're disqualified. And the thunder that comes out of these automobiles when they take off due to the horsepower, it sets off car alarms in the parking lot. It shakes your inner being. And we know that time elapse from the very beginning to the end. It's called elapsed time. Your speed over 300 miles an hour for some takes place in a quarter of a mile. You and I understand elapsed time. You may not understand drag racing, but nine months elapsed from the start to the finish for the birth of a baby. I bought some sweet corn here recently down here on Glenstone. I learned that it takes 78 to 83 days for this corn to be ready and to develop the process. Or other types of corn, depending what it may be. It takes 83 to 90 days, or for some corn, 100 days to take place. Depending on the variety of the corn, it will take place, but it's a process. Two truths jump out at me from this text. Number one, it's not about what we do, you and I. You see, in that 27th verse, it says, night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and it grows. What we see here is, well, we go about our daily routine, routines. God is at work in our lives. God is moving by his spirit, moving by his spirit through us and throughout the land. God is at work in our lives, establishing his kingdom rule while we are sleeping as well as while we're going about our daily activities. Hopefully, God is at work in your life. There's no instructions here for us. It doesn't tell us how to do it. It doesn't tell us what to do or what not to do. We just go about life. We go about living. It's neither about us being busy, nor it's about us being passive. I'm sure there's scripture and there's text as we read God's word on how we should conduct our life. But it's about us passing the time with the awareness that there's more going on that meets the eye. God is moving by his spirit. Second thing that jumps out at me here, it's all about what God is doing. In verse number 28, the scripture says the earth produces the crop on its own. The phase, the phrase on its own is one, it's, it's interesting particularly in the ancient setting, because this phrase means automatically. 
What happens to the seed once having been planted is an automatic process. It just happens. Remember my reference to the meaning of a process. A process is a series of systematic actions that leads to a desired result or end. In some cases, a process is a series of change that happens naturally. My sense here is that Jesus wants you and I to know that God is moving by his spirit. But he wants us to know that the kingdom of God involves both a process and a passing of time. Please be patient. God is not done with us yet. God continues to do a work. And what we need to know is that whether we are sleeping or whether we are going about our daily routine, we can be confident that the work of God is taking place in our lives in this world, and the key word here is confidence. Knowing that God is at work, he is moving. God is moving by his spirit. Second Corinthians, the third chapter, verse number 18, the apostle Paul reminds us in the Lord who his spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious likeness. More and more like him means from degree to degree, degree or perhaps from day to day God is working in our lives continually and inevitably he is doing a work we need to move on another truth that comes about here in this text in this parable that God's work in our life and in this world will come to completion it will happen it'll come to completion Mark 4 29 And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and the harvest, it with a sickle for the harvest time has come. When I read this text, I couldn't help but thinking about the prophet Joel. The prophet Joel said in Joel 3.13, swing the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come trample the grapes for the wine press is full and the vats are overflowing. So great is their wickedness. The prophet predicts. He says the time is ready. I don't know if you've ever handled a sickle. Some of you have. You know that weedies go a lot quicker, but sickles take a lot of effort, and you get into a rhythm, and you just cut that grass down. I think that this is a pretty optimistic parable, church. Jesus wants us to know that whether we can see it or not, God is working, and God is doing something. And God is working in our lives. Sometimes we don't feel like that. A teacher goes to a four by six whiteboard in his or her classroom. A teacher can take out a black marker and draw a black dot on the corner of that whiteboard. And the teacher can ask the students, what do you see? And all of them will shout in unison, a black dot. A black dot. And then the teacher could say, so not a single one of you saw the large white board. You see, the way to live is not to dwell on the black dots in life. We can't do it. We must move on. We must see the big picture and not look at the black dots. God is not about focusing on the black dots. God is about the big picture which ends with a harvest, a harvest. 
In 1 Corinthians, the third chapter, Paul wrote of an apparent conflict in the church at that time in Corinth about who was better, you know, a gifted speaker named Apollos, and then you have, of course, the Apostle Paul. And Paul explains each one of us, Apollos in himself, did the work that God gave them to do. But it's important that they realize a call on their life and they do the work. But what isn't important is who does the planning and who does the watering. You see, the important thing when it comes to God is to make the seed grow in our lives. That we are those that look to the Lord and the seed and the kingdom of God is coming to truth in our hearts. Our text says in verse number 29, as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it, for the harvest time has come. Many times we don't get what God is doing, but we must get that God is at work and God will complete his work in us and in this world. I am certain that God who began a good work within you will bring it to completion on the day when Jesus returns, Paul writes in Philippians 1.6. When I go to bed at night, I don't hear that grass growing outside. I don't know about your house, but I don't hear it. I don't hear those geraniums blooming that my wife takes such good care of. But you know, a work is being done. It's happening. And I'm certain that God, who begins a good work in us, will complete it. We think God is only alive and well and at work when it's overtly apparent. But it's good to be reminded that if God's kingdom work is like that planted seed, that the seed doesn't make a sound. And you may be in a turmoil right now. You may be a time in your life and you think that God's abandoned you, but I assure you that he's moving by his spirit. That if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you've accepted him into your heart, God is moving by his spirit. And as I say, sometimes it's not always apparent. Sometimes we tend to look at the black dots, but let's look at the whiteboard. Let's see the big picture. And when it comes to God's kingdom work in our lives, in the life of our church and in this world, this parable teaches us to be patient. This parable teaches us to be confident. This parable teaches us to take comfort in the outcome, whatever you may be going through. Let us put our trust in the things of God. Be patient, be confident, and take comfort in the outcome. God is moving by his spirit. Can we pray together today that you and I may be more like Jesus in all that we do? And can we pray together that God moves by his spirit within our hearts and our lives? Join me. Lord, we want to thank you today that you will answer our prayers in, in your perfect timing. Reveal what is in our hearts today, Lord, and make us ready to handle the answer in the right way when it comes. Help us to pray by faith consistently 
and long term, to believe and to wait and then to move forward in your timing. Help us to be patient in prayer, not to give up and to trust you even during those moments when we feel negative emotions. We don't want to live by feelings, but God, it is our desire to live by faith. That your will would be done, that your kingdom would be alive in our hearts. Help us not to take matters in our own hands, but we choose to trust you. And we refuse to believe the lies of the enemy. We choose to be faithful in prayer, deepen our understanding, and give us a greater knowledge of what you're doing in our lives. God, may we not waver, but may we have that hope that we profess. Stretch our faith, Lord, in the midst of the wait, just as you did with your disciples when encountering a storm at the sea. We thank you that you have all wisdom and you've got the answers to our prayers in a perfect way. May thy kingdom come and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, may we be more like your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.